Good worship. Thank you, Pastor Noah and the worship team. Hey, I uh, just want to welcome you guys once again, and uh, it's good to see your faces, good to see people I didn't get to see last week. Man, uh, it's good that we get to jump into God's Word. That's what matters. Amen? That's what's more important than anything. And my prayer is that, uh, and not just right now, but we have been praying that God would speak to you, uh, that he would move upon your heart and you would make some kind of decision to take a next step with him today. You can use that connection card on the back to indicate uh, whatever next step it is. If you've got a prayer request, we'd love to pray for you. You can drop that off at the Next Steps booth after the service. I'll be around. You can come talk to me or Pastor Noah. We would love to just uh, to hear how we can be praying for you and lifting you up. Uh, but for now, I invite you to grab your copy of the sermon notes and pull those out or pull those up. And you can also turn to Luke chapter 22. While you're doing there, um, let me just ask you, uh, what does this sign mean? What does this sign mean? I mean, in Tucson, it doesn't mean a lot, but in, in other parts of the country, this is a yield sign, okay? This, this means that, uh, that you have to give, you have to yield when you're driving. You have to give the other car, the other driver, the right of way. You have to let them go ahead. They take priority. That's what this sign means. Now, you could do like some drivers, and you see this sign, and you look, and you speed up, right? You know, I don't have to yield if I'm in front of you, you know, but what you're supposed to do is slow down. What you're supposed to do is let them take the lead and you follow in behind them. You set your will aside and you let them be, the lead, be in the lead. That's what it means to yield. Well, God works in the lives of people who are yielded to him. God works in the lives of people who say, not my will, but yours be done. And the opposite is true. Us not yielding to God, us not yielding to God, us not letting him take the lead, oftentimes hinders God's work in our life and can hinder God's work in our ministry and in our church. Time after time, the main thing that gets in the way of God working in the life of a church or in a person's life is, is when people choose their will, their way, over God's will, over God's way. And on the flip side, biblical history as well as the, the history of Christianity shows us that all it takes is a small number of people to yield themselves fully to God to say, not my will, not our will, but your will be done. And we get to see God do amazing, incredible things that no one could think of or even imagine. Things that bring God glory, things that point people to Jesus. Well, today we're continuing our three-part series called What Lies Ahead, and we want to get to the place where, where we are a church that is, that is depending on God. I really believe after we spent like a year and a half in the book of Acts, uh, and after uh, I got to spend some time on sabbatical just really focusing on prayer and, and what that means, uh, I really believe that God is leading us to be a church that is just fully dependent on him uh, by, in prayer and in, in depending on his Holy Spirit. Again, like I said last week, we're not talking about anything weird or wacky or anything like that. We're just talking about what we've seen in the Bible. 
you know, that people depend on God. Say, God, we can't move without you. We don't want to go anywhere without you. We're depending on you through prayer and the Holy Spirit. And, and like we saw last week, we, it starts with us abiding in Christ, us remaining in Christ, not just having a relationship. It's good if you have a relationship with God uh, through faith in Jesus. It's great that you're saved, but don't just check the box and say, all right, I'll see you in 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, Lord, when I die, you know? And we want to remain in Christ. We want to remain closely connected to him. Not to keep your salvation. You got it. Once you're saved, you're saved, right? That was a little weak. Once you're saved, you're saved, right? right. All right, good deal. But, but Jesus says, remain in me. Remain closely connected. Stay tight so that you can bear fruit. And when, and when we do that, then in order to get dependent we also have to yield ourselves to the will of the Father. We have to, we have to set our will aside and, and get to where we say, not my will, but yours. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Because, because I think from time to time, we can each get to a place where we yield in that moment. We yield for a little bit, but to be continually yielded and collectively yielded, that, that takes something. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. With that in mind, let's look at Luke chapter 22. And, and the setting for this, this is right after what we talked about last week. We were in John 15 where Jesus is meeting with his disciples and having the last supper with them, the Passover meal, what we now call the Lord's Supper and what we celebrate is the Lord's Supper. We celebrated that last week. Uh, now in Luke chapter 22, they've left that setting, that upper room. They've gone right outside uh, the city of Jerusalem to a place called the Mount of Olives, to this secluded place called the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus wants to spend some time with his disciples in prayer. So let's, let's read Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 39. It says, then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. And there he told them, pray, that you will not give in to temptation. And he walked away about a stone's throw or just out of earshot is what some translations say. And he knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him, and he prayed more fervently. And he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At last he stood up again, and he returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation." All right, so Jesus is, is, uh, is God alone with his disciples. He's spending some time in prayer. We're talking about yielding. This is, this is, I think without a doubt, the absolute best example of yielding one's will to the will of the Father. In all of Scripture, there's a lot of stories, but this right here is the best example. And before we get into talking about us yielding, let's just, let's just look at point number one is this. Yielding doesn't come naturally. If you're following along, if you're taking notes, if that helps you remember that this is a way you can do it is by jotting these things down. Maybe you've got a notebook or notepad and you can write it down. But number one, yielding doesn't come naturally. As we talk about yielding, let's just agree that it doesn't come easy. You know, yielding is not what we naturally want to do. You know, we, we normally want to do what's in our own best interest. We normally, uh, you know, want, we want to be first. We don't want to be last. We don't like letting other people get in front of us, you know, even when we're supposed to. Yielding just doesn't come easy. And, and here in this story where Jesus 
yields his will to the Father's will. I think it's important that we, that we understand that what Jesus is facing is, was not an easy situation. It wasn't an easy situation to face and, and to yield to. He says in verse 42, listen again, he says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Here in, in Luke's account, Jesus calls what he's facing a, a cup of suffering, a time of suffering. In Matthew's account of this, Jesus, it says that Jesus was sorrowful, that he was troubled, that his soul was overwhelmed to the point of death. He felt like, like he couldn't bear it. Jesus was facing the most difficult situation ever imaginable. And here's the deal. It wasn't that Jesus was dreading death because Jesus knew he was going to die. He told his disciples that he was going to die. But he also knew he was going to be raised back to life. He said, you guys tear this temple down three days later, uh, you know, it's going to be built back up. He knew God was going to raise him back to life. So he wasn't dreading death because he knew he was going to come back. It was how he was going to die. It was what he was going to suffer and endure. There in your notes, first thing that, that, he was, that, 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 that had him sorrowful was that he was facing crucifixion. Jesus was, was about to have to face crucifixion, the most horrible, agonizing, painful, torturous way to die imaginable. Matter of fact, I don't even think there's a, there's a, a way worse than that still today. I don't think there's a way to die that's worse than crucifixion. Matter of fact, the, the word excruciating, we talk about pain that's really bad, and you say, oh, it's excruciating pain. It comes from the act of crucifixion, excruciating, excrucio, out of crucifixion. Take your, take your hand, take your thumb and your finger, and press right here until it starts to hurt. That's a, there's a nerve running all the way down through here. Have you ever hit your elbow, and it hurts, and you call it hitting your what? It ain't funny. It hurts. <laughs> That same nerve goes all the way up through here. And when they would crucify someone, we say, you know, that, that it was through the hands, but it really wasn't. It was right here through the wrist. And it would crush that nerve, that bundle of nerves. And it was excruciating pain. It was the worst pain imaginable. Don't press too hard, okay? I don't want anybody passing out in the middle of service, okay? But, but Jesus knew he was about to endure physical suffering. On top of that, the Bible says that he was bearing our sins. He was about to, as, this, as the sacrificial lamb, he was, who was going to atone for our sins, he was about to take upon him the sins of the world. He was about to become sin, is what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. And, and I don't even know if we can comprehend what a big deal, that the sinless God, the sinless son of, of God was about to take upon him the sins of the world. We got any shoe people here, people who love nice, clean kicks? I ain't going to call anybody out, but I'm already thinking of a couple of them. Uh, you know, <laughs> imagine that you got these nice shoes. Best, you know, you paid some good money for them. You saved up, you know. You didn't charge on your credit card. You're managing your finances well. And you got these nice shoes. And you're out on a date with your girl, and, and you know, you, you get hit by a flash flood. You go through Houghton Road, let's say, that's always getting flooded, you know. And you get stuck. And now y'all got to get out of there. And you have to make a decision. Do I save the girl or do I save my shoes? You know, who, who comes first? And you're like, I got to save my girl, you know. And so you get out of the car and these nice, clean, white shoes that have never even been scuffed at all, you step out and now that dirt and mud is flowing past. It's ankle deep. It's knee deep. And you go around to the other side of the car and you take her and you get her to safety. 
your shoes have become soaked and saturated, and they've become dirt. These things that you've protected and cleaned, you know, any slight little speck of dust are now just filthy. That is a minuscule, poor illustration of what Jesus, Jesus became sin. He had the sins of the world just heaped on him. And just knowing that, knowing this, like, I, I, I haven't done anything wrong. I've obeyed the Father. I've only done what God said to do. I've only spoken what he said to do. And now I'm going to take all of this on me. He, that was overwhelming to him. And then in addition to that, he had to endure the Father's wrath. He had to take the punishment that we deserve. And so, yeah, Jesus, this was not an easy thing to face. But still, Jesus prays that God's will be done. He was yielded. He yielded himself to God's will. But it wasn't easy. It was not an easy surrendering of his will. Now, let me just tell you some good news. You will never have to face anything like what Jesus faced. Amen? You will never have to go to the cross for somebody else. Jesus died once and for all, the Bible says, the just for the unjust, one and done. Nobody will ever have to die for somebody else's sins. Jesus paid it all. But that doesn't mean that you won't have to go through suffering. That doesn't mean that God will never put you through a situation where you have to yield your will to his will so that as you're obedient to him and as you're doing what he says, he will be glorified and people will be pointed to Jesus because you say, not my will, but yours be done. That also doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Matter of fact, that's what makes yielding hard is oftentimes it is not easy. Oftentimes we're going through something difficult, a difficult decision maybe to be obedient to the Father and say yes to his plans over our plans, a costly sacrifice that God may be asking you to make, maybe putting others' needs ahead of yourselves, maybe standing up for what's right and good in the face of, of evil and danger. And, and sometimes we just get weary of yielding, don't we? I guess I'm the only one. Sometimes we get weary of yielding, you know. I served in kid zone. I did my time, you know. I did my tour of duty. Let somebody else serve. And... But God calls us to yield to him. Oftentimes yielding, the, things that makes it, the thing that makes it difficult is that God, it usually requires us to sacrifice, to suffer, or to serve in a way we normally would not choose to do. But still, God calls us to yield. So how do we do it? How can we get to a place where we are yielded to his will and not ours? Well, number two is yielding might begin with praying. Yielding might just begin. Us yielding ourselves to God's will, me yielding myself to God's will, might just begin with praying. Listen again, uh, verse 39 to 41 of Luke 22. It says, Then, accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room, and he went, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. And there he told them, Pray that you will not give in to temptation. And he walked away about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed. I want you to notice what's happening here. It says that Jesus went, as usual, and prayed. You know, um, My notes are out of order. I was about to tell you an illustration that doesn't go here. One of the things that the gospel tells us about Jesus is that he prayed. 
He prayed a lot. He prayed whenever he had a big decision to make. Mark's gospel tells us that before selecting the 12 disciples, Jesus went and got alone and spent a night in prayer. He prayed before there was some big ministry or after there was a big ministry opportunity. After feeding the 5,000, Jesus left that place and went alone to the other side of the, of the, of the shore, the other place, and he prayed. Here we see him going to the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane, to spend time in prayer before facing the most difficult situation ever. Notice what the text says, though. It says, Jesus went as usual. See, this wasn't a one-time thing, you know? This wasn't Jesus calling out to God in desperation after he's tried everything else. Oh, I guess maybe I'll pray. Jesus was known for how he prayed. He was known for how, how much he depended on God to hear from God in prayer. You know, he didn't act on his own. He didn't speak on his own. He only did what the Father told him to do. He only said what the Father told him to do. Jesus was yielded to the Father's will, and that yielding began with him spending time with God in prayer. Prayer is just what Jesus was known to do. I mean, it, it was kind of his thing, you know. He was, he, he prayed. And I'm reading through this story, and honestly, I'm, I'm seeing, you know what, I need to learn to yield also. I've got to work on this also. I've got to get to where prayer is my first response. And I think the same may be true for us, that if we want to get to, a be, to be a people where we are fully dependent on God in prayer, then we've got to be people who pray. We're going to talk about that more next week, but, you know, it, it may just start with us taking time to take things to God in prayer. You know, take things to God in prayer. Talk to him about your, what you're dealing with. And as you talk to him, a couple of things, openly and honestly share your heart with God. Openly and honestly say, God, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm struggling with. This is my pain. This is my struggle. This is my hurt. But also go into this time genuinely wanting to hear his heart. Don't just go and dump out your stuff on him. Listen, get into the word, and listen for God to speak to you also. A lot of times, this is that illustration I almost shared too early. A lot of times, things that make it into the sermon, I bounce them off of somebody else first. And some of y'all are like, really? You know, <laughs> you shared that with somebody and it still got in? But I do, you know, I've got sounding boards. Uh, sometimes I'll walk down to Pastor Sean's office or I'll talk to Pastor Noah. Uh, uh, one of the, my main sounding boards, as you can imagine, is my wife, Bridget. You know, I'll come to her with stuff. And, and sometimes I'll come to her and I'm really excited about something and I'll share it with her and I'm waiting for her to tell me how great it is. And instead, she's like, she points out an opposing view. You know, or instead she points out something that's, that's wrong with it or whatever. And oftentimes I'll still just put it in anyways, you know. Um, here's the deal. We, we have learned, we have learned, we've had a conversation about this, that sometimes when I come to her, I, I have to tell her, I'm seeking your opinion. I want you to weigh in on this. I value what you have to say. As a godly woman who, who spends time in prayer and spends time in God's word, I value your wisdom. I want to hear your opinion. But there are other times where I just want your affirmation. I just want you to say, that's a great idea, hon, even if it stinks, you know, and let me find out the hard way. I think a lot of times we go to God like that and we say, God, I just want your affirmation. I've already made my mind up. I'm already doing this. 
I just need you to be on board with what I'm already doing. And instead, what we need to get to is to the place where we say, Lord, what do you want? What's your will? Not my will be done, but yours. Us yielding to God's will might just begin with prayer, with open and honest and sincere prayer where we're willing to let God speak to us, where we're willing to hear from him even if we don't like what we hear. So how do we do that? Well, here's the last thing, learning to yield like Jesus. Listen again to Jesus' prayer, just verse 42. It says, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. I want us to, I want us to learn to yield like Jesus in our praying by, by looking at his prayer, by looking at what he prayed. And, and it's really, you can break it down into three things. First is this, Jesus acknowledged the Father's ability to hear and answer prayer. Jesus acknowledged, God, you are God and you can do anything. He says, Father, if you're willing. So Jesus starts off by saying, God, you're God. You can do whatever you want to. Nothing is beyond your, your capacity. Nothing is outside of your reach, your power. And so God, if you're willing, Father, if you're willing, he acknowledged the Father's ability to hear and answer prayer. As we begin our prayers, that's a great way to begin, is just by praising God and say, God, you're God, you can do anything. I believe that full well. But then he goes on and he makes his request. He says, please take this, this cup of suffering away from me. God, you're God, you are, Father, you, you are God, you can do anything, but God, now I'm making my request to you. If, if I have my way, here's what I'd like to see happen. You know, if I was in charge, you know, if, if anything could go the way I wanted to, here's my request, God, I'm, I'm, I'm just setting it before you. But then Jesus expressed his submission. He made his request, but then he, he expressed his submission. He said, yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. That's how we can learn to pray like Jesus prayed. That's how we can learn to yield like Jesus yielded, by acknowledging that God is God and he can do whatever pleases him. Nothing is beyond him. By setting before him the, the, the request that we have, the ask that we have, but then submitting our will to his. So here's what I'd like us to do. Pastor Noah's going to come up, and he's just going to play softly for while we do this. I'd like to invite us into a time of prayer. Before we get into the response song, before we get into, you know, the invitation, I want to invite you to pray like Jesus prayed. And you may want to just bow right there where you are. You may feel like turning around and kneeling at the seat in front of you. You may want to come up here, whatever is comfortable for you. But can we just go into a time of prayer and practice this right now? Because I have a feeling you're thinking about something where God's working in your life or a situation you're dealing with or a struggle or whatever. So all across the room, let's just enter into a time of prayer. And I'm going to lead us through this model prayer that Jesus give, gave us. All across the room, let's just enter into a time of prayer. Father, we are coming before you right now. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to have full reign and for you to have your will in our lives. And I pray that you would hear our prayers. 
right now, before, before we do anything, before we ask for anything, would you just spend a, a, a couple of moments, spend a few moments acknowledging that God is God? Acknowledging that he can do anything, that nothing is beyond his power, that no one is beyond his reach. Would you just spend a few moments in prayer, just praising God? And God, nothing is impossible for you. it might be helpful as you praise God for who he is to remember some of his some of the ways he's acted in the past some of the ways he's shown himself in the past Father, you are God, the one true God, the only God. You are our only hope. We have no one else but you. And we celebrate that because your power is limitless. Your sight, you see everything going on. You know what's best, you can bring about what's best, and you want what's best. And we believe that. And we celebrate that, that we get to call you our Heavenly Father. And so now, Lord, we want to lay our request before you. We just continue in this time of prayer. Would you just set before God openly and honestly what's on your heart? It may be some area where you need him to deliver or provide or protect or restore. Some area where you need him to do something that just seems impossible, but because he's God, he can do it. Would you just take some time and set that request before him?
Heavenly Father, we believe in you. We have faith in you. You have been faithful. You are always faithful. You never, ever, ever stop being faithful. Your word is true. Your promises are true. Because of that, God, we lift up these requests to you. And we pray what Ephesians 3 says, that you are able to do more than we can think or imagine. That now, God, we also yield our will to yours.